This is MSCI Perspectives, your source for weekly research insights as investors respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, Adam Bass, and today is April 30th, 2020. This week, we'll look at how unprecedented actions by the U.S. Federal Reserve have helped keep markets functioning, though volatile. We explore how the Fed is working toward its goals of maximizing employment, stabilizing prices, and ensuring that when the rebound comes, it's, quote, as robust as possible. Let's turn to Andy Sparks, MSCI's Head of Portfolio Management Research, for more. Andy, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Glad to be here. You're in Westchester County, which, for those who may not know, is a suburb of New York City. How has life changed there? It's changed a huge amount. Um, For me personally, I used to have a three-hour commute into the city. That was my total commute time. And a lot of people would say, well, how could you possibly endure that? But now that I'm working from home, I'm saying it wasn't that bad. It is interesting just walking around the streets. It's generally a very leafy suburb. And normally, people in the town I live are very time constrained, and they're busy taking their kids from one activity to another. They're generally very sleep deprived. And a lot of that is is very different now. So I actually see kids playing in their yards, bouncing balls in their driveway. It's sort of quaint thinking back to my childhood where activities were were much less structured, um, particularly for kids than they are now. Getting back to the present, in a sense, We're recording this shortly after Fed Chair Jerome Powell finished his press conference on Wednesday. Powell discussed the unprecedented actions the Fed has taken. Yeah, they are very unprecedented, both in in, um, size as well as scope. They've been buying a huge amount of uh, U.S. Treasuries and agency mortgage-backed securities in a very short period of time. For listeners who are familiar with hedge funds, you could almost think of the U.S. Treasury as the equity holder, and the um, Fed is the is the banker providing the lending and using leverage. So, as part of the CARES Act, four hundred fifty-four billion dollars of that act was given to the Treasury to be used um, in, co- in in coordination with the Federal Reserve. And leverage can be applied to that. There are several different facilities that have been set up, including for municipal bonds, for money markets. But the ones I'd like to focus on right now are for corporate bonds. And so the initial funding from the Treasury for these um, is $75 billion. Leverage can be used up to a factor of 10. And so that $75 billion can fund $750 billion worth of, um, of corporate purchases. But the Fed hasn't bought any corporate bonds yet. What's been amazing about the, um, the announcement of these programs is the market reaction. And so the Federal Reserve has not yet purchased any corporate bonds, but the mere announcement has caused a major tightening in spreads. If you look at the level of spreads just before the Fed's announcement compared to now, spreads have tightened about 125 basis points. And they have a lot of room to maneuver. Exactly. How much room, though? Do they have unlimited funds? So there's the asset purchase program, which is for treasuries and agency mortgages. That is as needed. There is no limit on the um, purchase amount. 
for the um, for these corporate bond programs and the the other programs for municipal bonds and money markets, the the only limit is that the equity for those in aggregate um, has to has to meet with the the 454 billion that the Treasury has at its disposal. But a lot of that 454 billion has not yet been deployed, and so specific to these uh, these facilities, these corporate bond facilities. They can ramp up a lot more if the Treasury Department working with the Fed deems it necessary. So there's ultimately a limit, but we're well below that limit right now. Hmm. Few billion here, few billion there. Pretty soon we're talking about real money. Are there any concerns about inflation? If you look at market implied measures of inflation over the next year, according to our models, the um, the the implied inflation rate is about minus 0.8%. We did get a, um, a consumer price index number um, recently, and it showed month over month a, a decline in prices of minus 0.4%. Now, a lot of investors are concerned with the huge, huge amount of fiscal stimulus as well as monetary um, um, activity that over the longer run, this could trigger inflation. But if you look at market implied measures, even longer term market implied measures, they're still very modest by historical comparison. And so, for example, the 10-year break-even inflation rate right now is about 1.2%. By the way, the federal, the Fed's target for inflation is 2%. And CPI inflation year over year, if you look at the consumer price index, inflation had been 2.1% year over year. And so going forward, the market at least does not seem to be overly concerned about um, long-run inflation. It sounds like the real worry could be deflation. Deflation is a, a distinct possibility. And there is some precedent for this, by the way. If you go back to the financial crisis, we had a at that time, it was close to a 60% decline in the price of oil. Again, a very um, large decline in aggregate demand. And for eight months in a row, we had year-over-year year, um, deflation. We're all watching for signs of when it'll be okay for economies to open up and what that recovery might look like. To what extent can the Fed contribute? The Fed cannot affect the infection rate. But what they can do is to provide the conditions so the recovery is as robust as possible. And what the Fed is particularly focused on is sort of trying to minimize long-run damage to the economy. And so the problem with longer-term unemployment is that workers tend to lose their the, their skills depreciate some. It may be harder for them to re-engage the economy. So the quicker you can get them back to work, the less long-term effect there will be on the economy. What else does the Fed have in its arsenal? The Fed is ultimately sort of it's sailing into uncharted waters here, and that's why they have a lot of this firepower. It and the Treasury have a lot of firepower that can still be deployed if they see signs that the economy is going to be um, um, deteriorating. Their foray into corporate bonds, for example, is an example of a new tool. They had not used that in many decades, and now they're, they're, they will be using it very significantly, as I previously mentioned. So. If, for example, the finances of state and local governments significantly deteriorated to the point where the there is a, a crisis brewing in the municipal bond market, 
the Treasury and the Fed together through one of these special purpose vehicles could um, could provide more funding and could effectively buy municipal bonds. There's been some criticism that the Fed's programs either aren't going far enough or aren't focused in the right areas to help the right people. Any thoughts? The Fed is um, is not supposed to take credit losses. And that's why for these special purpose vehicles, they're being set up with Treasury as the equity holder. So Treasury is taking the first losses. So Chairman Powell at today's conference alluded to this, and there was a question about, well, what about what about the firms that face serious solvency issues? And can the Fed do something to directly help them? And that's a limit to what the Fed can do. So the, you might have um, certain companies that are are really in serious problems, and the Fed cannot just go out and buy those bonds. They can only buy them through these vehicles. And again, the Fed, there must be that protection of the Treasury in front of them. And so Chairman Powell was asked this question about, well, you may not be providing help to the companies that need it most. And his response to that is that is where Congress and fiscal measures need to come in because the Fed's the Fed's hands are, are effectively tied by that restriction in the Federal Reserve Act that um, they they are um, not supposed to be taking credit loss. That's all for this week. Thanks to Andy and to all of you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on the MSCI LinkedIn page and to bookmark www.msci.com slash coronavirus for all our crisis-related content. We'd also like to invite you to check out our sister podcast, ESG Now, available on all major podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm your host, Adam Bass, and this is MSCI Perspectives. Stay safe, everyone.